Hey there, Jack. Hope you're finding a cozy spot in San Francisco on this drizzly Sunday. Yeah, with the highs barely hitting 52 degrees and light rain expected all day, it sounds like a perfect day to catch up on the news. Speaking of which, let's dive into what's making headlines today. First up, the European Commission has its sights set on some big names in tech. Elon Musk's ex-social media platform, TikTok's parent company ByteDance, and Booking.com are under scrutiny that could label them as gatekeepers under the Digital Markets Act. With tough tech rules looming for companies flagged as gatekeepers, we're looking at potential massive changes in how these platforms operate, from making messaging apps interoperable to dismantling favoritism towards their own services. The question is, will these companies meet the criteria? I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. This is Jack's News from PocketPod News. In other news, Apple has decided to put the brakes on its ambitious autonomous electric car project, known as Project Titan. Instead, it's steering towards generative AI. This shift marks another high-profile pivot for Apple away from hardware innovations that didn't quite take off. But what does this mean for the tech giant moving forward? And speaking of forward-moving, former President Donald Trump made waves in North Carolina by endorsing Latin Gov Mark Robinson for governor at a rally. With primary elections around the corner and strong opinions on both sides of the aisle, North Carolina's political landscape is heating up despite the incoming cold front. This message is brought to you by PocketPod. Say goodbye to one-size-fits-all podcasts and hello to a fully personalized listening experience with AI-crafted podcast made just for you. Head over to pocketpod.app to join the waitlist. In the world of tech, big names like Elon Musk's ex-social media platform, TikTok's parent company ByteDance, and Booking.com are under the microscope. That's right. The European Commission is zeroing in on these giants, possibly labeling them as gatekeepers under the new Digital Markets Act. This tag could usher in sweeping changes to how they operate, all in the name of fostering competition and offering users more choices. But what does it mean to be a gatekeeper, and why are companies like ByteDance pushing back against this classification? For a deeper dive into this complex issue, we're joined by PocketPod News international politics correspondent Mallory Hessel. Mallory. These regulations sound like they could really shake things up. Absolutely, Jonathan. Being classified as a gatekeeper under the Digital Markets Act, or DMA, is a significant development for any tech company. The DMA sets specific criteria to identify these gatekeepers, focusing primarily on companies with a substantial user base and market cap. Specifically, companies with more than 45 million monthly active users and 75 billion euros in market capitalization are subject to this scrutiny. The intention here is quite clear, to ensure that the digital market remains fair by preventing dominant platforms from leveraging their position in ways that could harm competition and limit user choices. That sounds like a rigorous evaluation process. Can you elaborate on what it means for companies once they're designated as gatekeepers? Of course. Once a company is officially designated as a gatekeeper, it has to adhere to several obligations aimed at fostering competition and enhancing user choice. For instance, these obligations include making messaging apps interoperable with those of competitors and allowing users more freedom in their software installation choices. These measures are designed to break down the barriers that large platforms might erect to stifle competition and restrict consumer options. It's worth noting that these new obligations for gatekeepers will start from March 7th. Interesting. 
And how does the European Commission go about deciding which companies are classified as gatekeepers? The process involves a 45 working day review period where the European Commission decides on the gatekeeper status of companies after they've notified their qualifications under the DMA. This review includes assessing any arguments the companies might present against being designated as gatekeepers. It's a comprehensive process aimed at ensuring fairness in classification. ByteDance has been notably resistant to its designation as a gatekeeper. What can you tell us about that? That's right, Jonathan. ByteDance was labeled as a gatekeeper back in July of last year, but has since contested this designation at Europe's second-highest court. This legal challenge underscores the company's concerns over what being classified as a gatekeeper entails under the DMA regulations, potentially reflecting broader worries about operational constraints and regulatory compliance costs. And what about Booking.com? How are they handling their potential classification? Booking.com seems to have anticipated falling into this category due to an increase in its user base, reflecting how companies are adjusting their expectations and strategies in anticipation of regulatory changes under the DMA. This proactive stance highlights how significant players in the tech industry are closely monitoring these developments and preparing for potential impacts on their operations. It sounds like there's quite a bit at stake here for these major tech platforms. Indeed there is, Jonathan. The European Commission's scrutiny under the Digital Markets Act signifies an important step towards ensuring fair competition and protecting consumer choices in the digital marketplace. As we watch how companies like Elon Musk's ex-social media platform, ByteDance and Booking.com navigate these potential designations, as well as the broader implications for the tech industry, it's clear that this regulatory effort could set precedents shaping future landscapes of digital markets. Thanks for breaking all of that down for us today, Mallory. You're welcome, Jonathan. Always happy to discuss these complex issues with our listeners. Apple is known for its groundbreaking products like the iPhone and the MacBook. But not every Apple project sees the light of day. That's right. From autonomous cars to wireless charging mats, Apple has had its share of ambitious projects that were eventually abandoned. The most recent is Project Titan, Apple's attempt at entering the automotive industry with an electric car. But it's not just about cars. There's a whole list of products we never got to see, like air power, a high-definition TV set, and even several tablet prototypes predating the iPad. It's fascinating to think about what could have been and how these projects reflect on Apple's strategy and focus areas. To dive deeper into this topic, we're joined by PocketPod News technology analyst Katrina Shelton. Katrina, let's start with Project Titan. Since 2014, there was so much buzz about it. What happened? Absolutely, Steve. Um, Project Titan was indeed a significant venture for Apple, signaling its ambitious entry into the automotive industry with an autonomous electric car. The project, which started in 2014, was surrounded by high expectations and speculation. However, it hit a dead end when Apple decided to cancel the project. This decision wasn't taken lightly. It resulted in job losses and saw many employees being transferred to other divisions within Apple. Uh, the cancellation is particularly noteworthy as it signals a pivot in focus towards generative AI technology, indicating perhaps a strategic relignment with emerging tech trends rather than continuing with the highly competitive and um, capital-intensive automotive sector. That's quite a shift. Moving on to air power, this was another project that got everyone excited but then disappeared. What went wrong there? AirPower was indeed an ambitious product that aimed to revolutionize wireless charging by allowing up to three devices to charge simultaneously using the Qi standard. Announced in 2017 with much fanfare, it ran into significant technical hurdles that ultimately led to its cancellation in 2019. 
These hurdles were primarily related to meeting Apple's stringent standards for performance and quality. In place of air power, Apple launched the MagSafe Duo in 2020, which charges two devices at once, but doesn't quite capture the original vision of air power. It seems like there's a pattern of ambitious projects not making it to market. What about the ultra-high-definition TV set? That's right, Steve. The ultra-high-definition TV set is another example where Apple explored an opportunity, but eventually decided not to proceed, despite widespread anticipation and rumors circulating since 2011 that suggested Apple would enter the television market with a groundbreaking product. The project never materialized into a consumer product. Uh, Similar to Project Titan, this venture was never officially acknowledged by Apple before its abandonment. And there were also several tablet prototypes before we ever got the iPad, right? Indeed, Steve. Long before the iPad became a household name, Apple experimented with various tablet concepts, including Vadamecum and Message Slate back in the 90s, and even Penlight around the same time as WALT, which was an early telephone Mac prototype featuring touchscreen capabilities well ahead of its time. These projects were ultimately shelved due to various reasons from market readiness concerns, believing there was no market for a tablet computer at that time to strategic decisions favoring other products like MessagePad over Message Slate. It's incredible how many ideas have been explored behind Apple's closed doors. Absolutely, Steve. What these abandoned projects highlight is not just missed opportunities or failures, but rather Apple's relentless pursuit of innovation and perfection. Even when projects like Project Titan or AirPower are canceled, they reflect a company that's willing to explore new frontiers, but also strict enough to only bring products to market uh, that meet their high standards, um, even if that means making tough decisions along their journey of innovation. Truly fascinating insights into what drives one of the world's most innovative companies. Thanks for delving into these canceled projects with us today. My pleasure, Steve. Always interesting discussing how companies like Apple navigate their path through innovation. In North Carolina, a significant endorsement has stirred the political pot ahead of the gubernatorial race. That's right. Former President Donald Trump threw his weight behind Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson at a rally in Greensboro, even comparing him to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., but with a contemporary twist. This endorsement not only cements Robinson's position as the GOP frontrunner, but also sparks debates over his electability in the general election, especially considering his controversial comments on LGBTQ rights, among other issues. And with the Republican primaries just around the corner, this move by Trump is seen as an attempt to solidify support within the party. But it's not without its critics within GOP ranks, worried about November's outcome. To dive deeper into what this endorsement means for the North Carolina governor's race and how it might shape both the primaries and general election dynamics, we're joined by PocketPod News political correspondent John Ralfoy. John? Thanks for having me, Jonathan. Let's start with the basics of this significant political event. Former President Donald Trump made headlines when he endorsed North Carolina Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson for governor at a rally in Greensboro. Trump didn't just offer his endorsement. He lavished high praise on Robinson, comparing him to civil rights icon Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., but with a twist, calling him Martin Luther King on steroids. This endorsement was made at the Greensboro Coliseum Complex just this past Saturday. That's quite a comparison to make. Can you delve into why Trump's endorsement of Robinson is so impactful for the GOP primaries? 
Absolutely. Trump's endorsement is monumental because it essentially catapults Mark Robinson to the position of GOP frontrunner for the gubernatorial nomination, despite the concerns raised by Robinson's primary rivals about his potential in the general election, especially given his controversial comments on LGBTQ plus rights and other issues, Trump's backing gives Robinson a significant boost within the Republican base. It sends a clear signal that Trump views him as not only viable but preferred, which can sway voters and consolidate support around Robinson. Speaking of comparisons, how should we interpret Trump comparing Robinson to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.? The comparison to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., as bold as it is, appears to be Trump's way of underscoring his high regard for Robinson's leadership and oratory skills, suggesting that he sees Robinson as a transformative figure within the Republican Party and perhaps even beyond. It's also a strategic move aimed at elevating Robinson's status and appeal within the GOP base by aligning him with values of strong leadership and societal impact, albeit through a very different lens than King's legacy. And what about the broader context? How does this fit into Trump's strategy concerning other candidates in North Carolina's Republican primaries? Alongside endorsing Robinson, Trump listed several candidates that he supports for Tuesday's North Carolina Republican primaries. This is part of a broader strategy to consolidate support within the GOP under his influence and sideline potential rivals like Nikki Haley from contention for various nominations, not just in North Carolina, but across other states as well. It's indicative of Trump's enduring influence over party dynamics and his role in shaping its future direction. There have been concerns about electability among some Republicans regarding Mark Robinson. Can you expand on that? Yes, rivals such as Dale Folwell and Bill Graham have voiced doubts about Robinson's ability to win come November due to his divisive comments on various issues, including LGBTQ plus rights. These concerns reflect internal debates within the GOP over candidate viability statewide, balancing between candidates who can mobilize the base versus those who might appeal more broadly in closely contested elections. Can you give us some background on Mark Robinson? Mark Robinson has an interesting political trajectory. He rose to prominence following a viral speech he gave in 2018 supporting gun rights and police, which eventually led him to be elected as North Carolina's first black lieutenant governor in 2020. His path reflects a non-traditional route to political significance, leveraging digital platforms for visibility and gaining traction through endorsements from influential figures like Donald Trump. And what about on the Democratic side? Who are we seeing emerge? On the Democratic side, voters will choose between notable figures, including Attorney General Josh Stein and former state Supreme Court Associate Justice Mike Morgan, among others, for their nominee for governor. The process here contrasts with that of the GOP. Early endorsements from prominent figures like outgoing Governor Roy Cooper for Stein highlight different strategic approaches between parties. Finally, how do these developments play into North Carolina's status as a battleground state? Statewide elections in North Carolina are notoriously competitive due to its status as a battleground state. This makes endorsements like Trump's particularly significant. They can heavily influence outcomes by swaying undecided voters or solidifying base support for particular candidates in tightly contested races. John Ralfoy, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Jonathan. Always glad to provide insights on these complex political developments. And that's Jack's News for Sunday, March 3rd, 2024. I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. Thank you for listening, Jack. We hope you have a good day and we will see you tomorrow. This podcast was created by PocketPod entirely with AI. If you'd like to learn more, head over to pocketpod.app.